and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast is now part of the Odyssey family. I got my guy Mario producing, and you can get it on the Odyssey app as well as Apple, Spotify, all the usual places that you get podcasts, and on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube. Even if you're not watching it on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button helps me, so go do that. And then on all the other platforms, rate, review, all of that. We got Eric Gunderson back on the show. This, you know, longtime listeners, you guys know what it is. It's, you know, it's going to be the two of us. Obviously, the Blazers are in a little bit of a rough patch right now. It has not been a great month, really, for them at all. They are 4-8 and eight in their last 12 games. And the four teams that they've beaten are literally the four worst teams in the league with San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte, and Detroit. Everybody else they've lost to, they had a particularly, I would say, dispiriting uh, road trip where they went 0-3 and lost three, I think, very winnable games to Minnesota, Indiana, and Toronto, and there were some scoring droughts, there were some turnover issues. Eric and I get into a lot of that. We try to, as best we can, nobody really has any answers, but, you know, as best we can, we try to diagnose kind of what's going on and set up this next few weeks, this upcoming homestand the, you know, the rest of the month of January where they basically have all but one game at home, although they have some good teams that they're playing. So things are not going to get that much easier, but still easier just because they aren't going to be on the road for basically a full month. So this is going to be a big two-week stretch coming up. We also, at the end, we get into a little bit about Shaden Sharp uh, being announced to do the dunk contest. So that's a little bit of a fun thing to offset maybe all of the negativity I, I don't want to say negativity because you know eric you, you, you know how eric and i are we are never very like doom and gloom about any of this stuff just in general but you know it's it's not the most positive podcast just because of the way the team has been playing but we do get into some shade and sharp dunk contest stuff at the end so that's fun but let's get into that now so eric i was looking at this up and the last time you were on with me it's been a minute since you came on but the last episode that you and I did together was on November 22nd of 2022. That was coming off of, they had just had the six-game road trip where they went four and two. Mm-hmm. And then they had the three-game homestand where they lost the Utah game and the Brooklyn game. And then they had the first game of that next road trip where they lost to the Bucks. And the title of that episode was Blazers Hit a Rough Patch. So it turns out six weeks later, six weeks later, I mean, they did pull out of it for a little bit. And now if that was a rough patch, this is an even bigger rough patch what they're in now. They've they've over the last uh, 12 games, they are four and eight and their four wins have come against San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte and Detroit, which are literally the four worst teams in the league. Those are the four teams they've beaten over the last three and a half weeks. Yeah, I mean, 
Portland had kind of got had skated by a lot of the 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 stuff that everyone usually deals with during NBA season and it hit them at that time. And now they're getting really hit in a place where like a lot of teams just haven't been. And, and, and they're, you know, or a lot of teams have been this season. I mean, you look at across the Western conference, uh-huh. you see Phoenix with Devin Booker going down. And, and the, the fun, the kind of weird thing about it is, is this is happening now when the Blazers are somewhat full strength. Like they, they were kind of surviving and stringing wins together and then Dame came back, and they got a boost from that. And then now they're kind of full strength, except for the Gary Payton thing, which, look, I know that he's doing his best to get back. Uh, I know it's a tough injury, but I have to imagine, and I think for the players, they're saying all the right things. But psychologically, if it's psychological, psychologically difficult for, the play, for fans after seeing Gary Payton play in a game and then have him not play in the last three – you have to imagine that it might be a little deflating if you're one of his teammates. Like it just it might be like the, the fact that like, I think we have to say that that is a potential possibility, even if they won't say that it is deflating because they won't. I'm sure that it is, especially the day before the Toronto game yesterday, they list him as probable with the ankle thing. And then right before the game, they say, actually, he had some discomfort in his warm-up, and so he's not going to play. So it's kind of just like, you know, the late... Because if they, if they had ruled him out again, like, like I think we had a pretty good idea that he wasn't going to play in the Minnesota game or the Indy game. And so I guess guys could, like, prepare for that. But if everybody kind of thought until two hours before the game that he was going to play in Toronto, then, and then, you know, they have the rug pulled out from under them in that way. And again, this is not to any, you know... We, you know, we, we've kind of talked about this before. I, this is not through any fault of Gary. He's doing what he can. It's just, you know, the way that it's been messaged and the way that the, you know, the whole thing has been handled from like an optics standpoint. Like, I think you're probably right that a lot of these players, and this is not something that they obviously would ever say on the record. This is also not something I've heard behind the scenes either, but it would not surprise me if some of them would feel like, you know, oh, cool. We might get our guy back. Oh, no, no. No. Yeah, I just wonder that it might feel a little bit deflating is all mm-hmm. that, that I'm saying. Like, even if they're not going to say it because they're not going to throw their guy under the bus, like no one's saying that the Blazers should come out and say, yeah, man, it really sucks that Gary couldn't fly right. the other day. Like, no, because no one should, they shouldn't say that. But it is just, it, it, it's got to be a bit of a bummer. And like, they also just got their asses kicked on this trip. Like, yes. they, they, like regardless of whether they have Gary or not, like the way they played on this trip was really, really bad. And we, we could talk about all the all all that if we want, but the fact is that he didn't play, and the Blazers had most of their guys, three guys who the team is promoting as All Star candidates. Like you have all those guys in uniform, and you fail to win one of those games. Like that's a bad trip, and it, it was it was. I mean the 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 last two games. I mean the, the, those were some of the roughest offensive stretches I've seen. And it, it's it's kind of. It's this cruel thing, and it reminds me of something that Terry Stotts would always say: is that it's always something. Is that like uh-huh. Portland's defense gets a, the tiniest bit better over this trip, but their offense falls off to such a ridiculous like. I mean, the two the final drops- seven minutes of the of the indie game, and then the first uh, what was it like the first six minutes of the second quarter against Toronto, and then the first five minutes of the third quarter. Like they had two, you know, multi-minute scoring droughts to begin two quarters. Somehow they still only, you know, they got it to within five or within two or within three or whatever it was by 
the middle of the end of the fourth quarter, and they still were in a position where they could have won that game even besides that, but it's like, you can't, there's only so many times in a row that you can say, well, you know, we did make a shot for the first half of a quarter and we were still in it. Like, at a certain point, you got to start not not making shots for, you know, then to tire halves of quarters or more at a time. Well, I think it also could cut, maybe speak to a little bit of, like, also maybe something about this team that seems to be the case is that when their offense wasn't that great at the start of the season, it felt like they were playing better defense. And then once their offense started to click, it felt like they relaxed a little bit on defense. And maybe some of that defensive improvement was just like, hey, they were playing so poorly on offense that they had to play hard on defense. And I feel like that's like the the the, the constant battle always. But, uh, you know, this team, I thought they played pretty good defense on the trip, which kind of sucks. It's just like they played pretty good defense, which is like the thing that everyone had been saying they needed to do. And they did that. And they still went 0-3 because their offense and the turnovers – have reached a critical mass. Like The turnovers is- are just, I don't know how to, like, it's not even like, oh, it's just this one guy that's doing it because it's everybody. Like, Dame's been doing it. Ant's been doing it. Nurk's Nurk been doing, been it. doing like, it. Everybody's... Grant, okay, like, Jeremy Grant occasionally, like, like, it's just like, heart. Heart, yeah. heart. I mean, heart, I swear. I mean, my least favorite turnover has got to be the Josh Hart passes up an open three and it leads to a bad pass or an offensive foul. Or a 24-second violation. Or a 24-second violation. Like, like, and last night, like, or yesterday afternoon, you know, I'll be honest, I was watching some football as well and also doing house chores because it was a Sunday. Yes. I was watching the game pretty attentively. I think I saw, you know, while I was doing a lot of different things, I think I saw, like, six offensive fouls by the Blazers. Like, uh-huh. just, like, jumping to pass to nobody – Running into the guy and, and like the, the Raptors are a good defensive team. It's like the and one they thing weren't they even can. and they weren't even like bad call. Like I know that there was a lot of talk about the officiating yesterday because that out of bounds call that Chauncey had to use his challenge on was like one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Those offensive fouls were not bad calls. Those were fouls. Those were bad plays that they made that they didn't have to make and that easily could have been avoided. Yeah, and and look, I mean, and the challenge. Let's let's be honest. Like Chauncey was probably never going to use that challenge anyway. He, he doesn't, doesn't use a lot of he challenges. He doesn't use challenges. Like, it is, like, one of the things as a coach that I'm just, like, I kind of wish he was a little bit looser with. Like, I like I wish – like, I know that Nurk begs for a challenge. On every, every single time he comes uh, uh, so, 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 like, I get Chauncey, like, maybe trying to teach Nurk a lesson. Like, hey, buddy, I can't bail you out. Like, I, I you can't – you just got to not foul. And the Blazers, also one of the reasons they've dipped in defense lately is that their foul – they fouled, they're fouling a lot more than they were before mm-hmm. um, and giving up a lot more free throws. But I would just like, you know, especially in the sometimes in the first half of games, I, I wish he was a little bit more flexible because it does seem like he has like a hard and fast rule that no, under any circumstances, never will use a challenge in the first half. And like, I do think sometimes he's got to be a little bit more flexible and like let the game talk to him a little bit instead of like, being so rigid with some of his rules. I, I wish that was like, like he's really flexible with rotations and with, uh, with trying new defenses. But the challenges thing is just like the one thing I wish that's, that's one of the things about, about Chauncey that I think is, is the one thing that I can really just point to is be like, I wish sometimes he would be a little bit more rela- like aggressive with challenging calls, especially when it's, you know, maybe an important play in the game or if you're down, like it's just something that I, I, I that I wish, 
I mean, he's growing as a coach. You know, it's still his only right, second everybody's year. Everybody's kind a, of feeling it out, but yeah. But that's what I think. I, just, I sometimes I wish the challenge, the, the lack of challenging, is a little rigid sometimes. And I know you only get one, but like, right? Uh, sometimes it, a, a call in the second quarter can set the tone for the whole game, and 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 so I, that's just where I stand on that. That's just one of my takes. And I think well, we kind of thought that a call in the second quarter was going to set the tone yesterday with the Raptors when. Pascal Siakam grabbed Dame's foot and pulled him to the ground, and they called it a flagrant. And then for the rest of that quarter, like I don't remember the exact, you know, the exact deficit, but Portland was down like twelve or fourteen at that point. And then after that foul that Siakam committed on Dame that was called a flagrant, Dame and I mean, really because you know the rest of the team followed him, they all kind of started playing with an edge after that, and they cut the deficit to five at the half. And I thought, oh, well, that Siakam foul, that's going to completely turn the game around. And now they're kind of are getting back, you know, they're getting some fire back or whatever. And then they come out in the third quarter and they don't score for the first five minutes. And it just goes right back to what it was before that foul happened. Yeah, it, it was it was wild. Like, I, I was watching the game. I was like, oh, yeah, they probably made a basket. It's like a 11 to 2 run. And it was like, no, I was like, no, it's those two six, points six, were free six, throws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like there, there was no. There was no offense, and they couldn't score. And and Nurk wasn't really, you know, taking advantage of his uh, of the smaller Toronto team. And it was just all around just a bad game. And and the the sloppiness let Toronto play in transition, which is their really their only good offense. I mean, I mean Siakam can score against most people, but like when you get into the half court, I mean that was when Portland was having success was when they were getting in the half court and letting, you know, playing 10, 15 feet off Scotty Barnes, like letting him shoot and, and gumming up the paint. And like that, were that, that's how it became a close game because, you know, the, the, the Blazers, you know, were able to get some stops at certain points and, and eventually make some shots, but you just not going to win games when you have, like you said, half a quarter where you don't score. Like it's, it's such a, it's, a, it's twice in the so, same game. You do it's that. A fundamental. It's like, a, like, especially in the NBA, like, like, cause the other team's going to figure out a way to score. I don't, like most games are not going to be like the game. That one game, I think was a Milwaukee Toronto yeah, yeah, earlier like, this, earlier this week when it was like 11 to 13 at the end of the first quarter. Like most times that's not going to happen. One of the teams is going to make a shot if you're not. So it, it's like, it was a, it was a tough road trip. I guess, you know, the one great thing is that like, Hey, you're through 24 road games. Now you only have 17 remaining. And that means that you have the majority of your schedule at home, but you know, being at home hasn't guaranteed much, many things. I mean, at the start of the season, the Blazers were a better road team than they were a home team. And look, uh, tomorrow's game the Orlando magic, like they're not a playoff team, but they have the rookie of the year. They have maybe the most interesting non-rookie in bowl bowl, Mm -hmm. like, like in terms of, and and then they've just got a lot of talent on their team and they've beaten golden state twice. They've beaten Boston twice. So they're coming home. Like last time they came off a bad trip, they came home to play Detroit. This time they got to play Orlando who actually has a lot of really good talented players. And Look, I'm just saying, like, don't be surprised if they lose tomorrow. I mean, you're looking at this schedule. So, like you said, the good thing for them is they've been on the road so much. They only have one one more road game the rest of the month of January, which is a one-off uh, in Denver in, in a couple weeks. But, so look, at so this is, this is the teams that they're playing. Orlando, who, as you just said, they're not a playoff team, but that's not a walkover team. That's not a, like a Charlotte or Detroit or Houston level terrible team 
Yeah, they've beaten good teams, as, I, as I've mentioned. You've got the Cavs, who are good. You've got the Mavericks, who are good and have, you know, an MVP candidate in Luka and have beaten the Blazers both times they've already played this season. They, they play them twice in a row. They've got Denver, who has an MVP candidate and right now is probably the best team in the West. And the Blazers beat them at the beginning of the season, but they've won the last two. You've got Philly, who's good. I don't know if MB, I don't know how serious this Embiid foot thing is going to be, but you know th- that's still a team that you shouldn't say, oh, they should beat Philly. They've got the Lakers, who are pretty unserious, but also like AD might be back by then. They've won a bunch lately. Like I assume LeBron's going to play in that game. Like you can't just like write that one off. San Antonio, they should get that one. That's the only one that I'm looking at in the in this month on the 23rd. San Antonio, that that one. That's the only one where you're like, yeah, they should win that one. Then they've got Utah, who has come back down to earth since that hot start, but are still, you know, hanging around. You've got Toronto, who just beat them yesterday. And then you've got uh, Atlanta, who has, you know, a ton of their own issues, but that's still a team with talent that you can't just write off and say, oh, there's no way they're going to lose to them. And then you go on this road trip and you have uh, Memphis... Washington, Chicago, who's been playing better lately. And then you come home and you have Milwaukee, Golden State, who they both lost to. Oklahoma City, who they, they have lost, lost to twice. Yeah. The Lakers, who, again, like, not a good team, but still, like, you know, they have LeBron. And if, if AD's healthy, they have AD. And they did and the, beat them the last time they played in Yes, in they LA. did. Albeit without Dane, but yes. And then Washington. Like, this is not, like, even though they're home a lot. This is not like a bunch of like after the All Star break they have a lot of games against like a San like like you know Oak I, I guess we can't even count Oklahoma City as one of the teams but, like they have Houston a couple more times after the break and they have like well if they, if they if they if Shy has an injury in right March, if right, Shy right. has an injury in March like then yes Oklahoma City is a different story right the point the point being yes they have a lot more home games but. I just ran down, like, this whole schedule. The only team that they're playing before the All-Star break that you look at and say, yeah, that should be a gimme is San Antonio. Yeah, so, like, this is major, major important. This is a huge time for the Blazers, and it's great that they're at home, but home isn't, like, it's not, like, that's not the biggest problem. I mean, they got a lot of really good teams. Cleveland is, you know, that's your team for the Eastern Conference. I mean, that that, that that's... I mean, this if is the Celtics be... are your squad, that's my squad. Yeah, this, the Cavs, the Cavs are your squad. Uh, so, look, I, I, I think this is going to be an important stretch. I think they can they can win games at home, and I think they. I mean, they've they've beaten teams like this on the road earlier this year. Like they've proven that they can beat the best teams in the league. It's they have, but they just haven't done it now for six for almost two months. Yeah. So, like. Like they haven't done it for almost two months, and at a certain point, you you wonder like wh- where that's going. And so, uh, they should be getting. I should I should also point out they should be getting back to full strength health wise soon because I know you mentioned earlier that they are mostly at full strength. The thing you do have to keep in mind is that out of their bench, their their five starters have been pretty much healthy and in the lineup for the last month or so. Like they all missed time before that. Their bench right now is two rookies, Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, two second-year guys, Trendon Watford and Keon Johnson, and Drew Eubanks. So, I mean, I think not having... I mean, I don't want to say this to excuse anything because they there were a bunch of these games that they should have won, but not having Justice Winslow, Nasir Little, and Gary Payton all at the same time, having all of those guys be out, you basically have no actual veteran experience at all on your bench. And because of that, if you're Chauncey Billups, 
and you're in these games enough to be able to win them, you're not going to like be playing, you know, Trent and Watford and Shaden Sharp a bunch of extended minutes. You're going to ride your veterans more and your starters, and that's going to lead to, you know, Dame and Ant and Jeremy playing high 30s, low 40s in their minutes, which is what everybody kind of said they wanted to avoid. And so I think that the three guys that they have out injured right now actually is pretty impactful. Well, yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, it's it's definitely pretty impactful. I mean, the, the, those injuries do matter, I, I and, and especially, like, the will he won't he of Gary, I think it adds yeah. to it's not just that he's not playing. I think it's the 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 back and forth that has that has happened that has made that a little uneasy. But we should yeah. find out, by the way, maybe even live on the podcast what the preliminary injury report is for tomorrow. But even if they list him as probable for tomorrow, like we as we saw yesterday, we can't count on it until yeah, I mean Nasir getting back is it would be would be nice. Um, Nasir, you know. Nasir. From, so what I've heard about Nasir is so so this coming end of this week is going to be the six weeks. Right. So the earliest that he could possibly be back would be the two Dallas games this weekend. I have heard nothing but positive things. I talked to somebody last week that said that the MRI that he had like a week ago, as a follow up for the hip fracture, came back clean and. Our guy Casey Holdall posted a video of him in Toronto pregame yesterday, like working out and running and jumping and getting shots up. And it seems like everything is good. I was told by somebody a couple of days ago that he might get, even if he gets cleared at the six weeks, which I think is still on track, it'll take a couple weeks of ramp up for him to get back into game shape because right now he hasn't been practicing or doing anything in practice. He's been like, working with the trainers and doing his rehab and doing his physical therapy and stuff during like their practice times and their shoot arounds. So even if, even once he's cleared to do full contact, they're not just going to throw him right back out there in a game after not playing for six weeks. They're going to, you know, let him, you know, get a week of practices in and get back into full, you know, conditioning. So we're thinking, I I would, I would guess probably more so the homestand after the, uh, one-off road game in Denver would be the soonest we would see Nasir back. Justice, I have no idea. Tomorrow is actually the two weeks since they said he'd be out two weeks. He's been off crutches, off the walking boot, so that's all good. But, you know, that ankle injury looked pretty bad. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for another week or two. So I don't really have any concrete updates on that. Well, I mean, he was effectively their sixth man for the whole season. Like, he's he's been – like, I know Eubanks has played off the bench pretty much every game. But, yeah. I mean, Winslow has been – I mean, he does so many things for this team that, I mean, it does appear that they're missing it a little bit. Like the fact that they can go small with him and play him at the four or the five, depending on the matchup. Uh, and the fact that he also is a smart playmaker and good passer uh-huh. is like, you know, this team has really struggled with that this season. And 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 he's a good guy that can connect he can help get guys out of trouble and, and set up another situation on the other side of the floor. Like a, a little bit like what Gary Payton did in that first game. Uh, and, you know, without justice, it's like now they're missing the two guys that do that. And, you know, Winslow had been doing that most of the season. And while he doesn't score a lot and the Blazers bench doesn't score a lot of points, having him there to help everyone else score is, is, is missing. Like that, that, that I think having just justice back would be, would be a major lift. But to your point, uh, he had been playing hurt for, it seemed like he would be, had been playing hurt for a while there. This whole thing and just the way that they just are continually not executing and turning the ball over. 
I said this a little, I went into this a little bit on Twitter the other, last night after the Raptors game. I try not to do too much on Twitter these days because it's just, you know, it's, it, it, it can be a lot. Like, the, well, I, immediately I, after a game, too, it's just like everyone is so raw. I take the, I, like, I, I, I monitor, I've talked about this before. I don't really engage on social media anymore, but I, you know, I keep tabs. I, watch what's going on on twitter i watch what's going on on reddit i've been there there's a couple of discord servers that i'm in i you know i I keep tabs and this after this three game losing streak on this road trip this is as bad as it's been in terms of fan mood and fan morale since the preseason when they went the, the only game that they won in the preseason was against the israeli team so they lost all their games against nba teams and people were talking about Man, this team is going nowhere. They should just trade Dame and rebuild around Shaden and Keon. Like that's I like I remember those. Like and like oh no, yeah, that was games that, was... that no one games that nobody was watching, <laughs> mind you. Like games that aren't even broadcast on TV. Right. People games that no one was like unless you were physically at these games, you had no idea what the what the what was going on in these games. Uh huh. And people were making takes out of that out of just like the oh, box yeah. score and so like this is a little bit different because these are actually games that these are actual are watching games. yeah but yeah. i mean just after every one of these games it's you know fire chauncey or trade this guy like i want to get i want to ask you a little bit about the coaching thing and kind of where you're at we talked a little bit with chauncey as far as like the challenge thing and i think i agree with you about that i i'm still i try not to get too much into coaching stuff because being like a basketball X's and O's analysis expert is not really, has that's not really ever been my lane and my wheelhouse. And so I don't really like to get too much into like, you know, this guy isn't calling this play or he should be running the, you know, this action. That's not really me. I don't, I'd like to to address one of the things that like, I think uh, they had a bad third quarter yesterday. So the, the conversation comes around to, well, what was said at halftime that has these guys so off? And people will like, okay, first of all, I, guys missing shots for six minutes. I don't think you, I, I'm pretty sure Chauncey did not say, did not tell them to miss shots for six minutes. And that first, and the at looks that they were getting were also mostly good looks. And, and secondly, like we were at the Charlotte game the other night, which uh-huh. was a bad game for most of it. To everyone that was in, everyone in the Blazers locker room, because we asked, and we asked the coach too, like what happened to Nurk in the second half of that game? And basically we didn't get full details, but basically the, the, the synopsis from all the players were, and Chauncey was, and Nurk himself was that Chauncey got into him. at half. Which is not the first time that's happened. It's not the first time it's happened. (laughs) From what I've heard. I just think that like, there is uh, an element of like wanting to assign things and like wanting to find the reason, which like, we all want to find the reason why the Blazers are struggling. Like that is totally it. But I don't think that there's like a lack of like hands offness or uh, one of the things that I've been reading is that the players have tuned Chauncey Billups out. I haven't heard anything resembling that. No, I haven't seen, we've been, I've been like, I've been doing this now with the Blazers for, um, for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like. And like, this is not that. And like, I mean, the fact that like they, can talk frankly amongst themselves even before the last trip they were drew umex was telling us about how the team had a lot of heart to hearts after the detroit or you know when gp came back 
about their defense and how bad they were. And the locker room was having that conversation. It's like, that to me doesn't seem like a team that has tuned out their coach. I have covered plenty of teams that have tuned out their coach. When I was in Chicago, yeah, I cover a lot of bulls. Teams. I had the, <laughs> I had the, I had the last year of Tibbs. There were, you know, the in exit interviews, the last Tibbs year, which was the year they lost to Cleveland in the second round. There they had already, like, the front office, like, things were so broken between Garpax and Tibbs by that point that they had already made the decision that they were going to fire Tibbs, but they still went through the motions of asking all the players at exit interviews, do you want Tibbs back? There were only two players that said they wanted him back. One of them was Derek Rose because he had, like, had his back during all the, you know, injury stuff. And the other one was Taj Gibson, who's never going to say anything bad about a coach and is, like, the ultimate company man and, like, locker room you know, peacekeeper and all that. Everybody else, even guys who are like, quote unquote, Tibbs guys, like Joakim Noah, like they all wanted him gone. Everybody was over it. And then, you know, who do they replace him with? Fred Hoiberg, who, you know, I had the Rondo Wade Butler year. Jimmy and Wade didn't take Hoiberg seriously. That was, and then even like here in Portland, like you can say that maybe some guys tuned out Terry Stotts by the end. And then even last year, like, I'm talking about the first half of last year before they shut down Dame and decided to tank. There were guys who, when you know, when, when you know, they were getting blown out early on in the season and Chauncey was getting up after these games saying, my guys are not playing with any heart or any effort and was just like lighting them up in these press conferences after every game. There were some guys, most of whom they, aren't... They, yeah, they're not even here anymore. Who are not here anymore. <laughs> but like, I even with this coach, I have seen a previous team that was maybe tuning, the, tuning him out. I That is not what I hear or think is happening this year yeah i i i i agree and and also i think it starts because dame the star player has a very he dame i we, we don't have to talk about like the loyalty shit it's just like right he he i don't want to talk about that i just want to talk about like how he just like he takes care of his business he's a star player he listens to the coach he is aligned with the coach everyone else falls in line and that's he's not gonna just, he's not gonna throw guys under the bus publicly no, and so like I just think that that is generally like the and, and and I think too like this team is it's a different group of guys that I think in general all have a respect for Dame because they're all younger work. guys. They're all they're all younger guys, but also they see him putting in the work. And yes. like w- when you see it, it's not just like he's a star and he's over here. Like he's a star, and he treats you like a human being, and he treats you like one of the team. And it's like so I think because. Chauncey has Dame, Dame has the team, and therefore Chauncey has the team. So, I, like th- that, I think I think all of those things go together. So, I think to just like maybe dispel that notion that the team is tuning Chauncey Billups out because they're having a rough patch, I think is important to note that it's probably important to dispel that notion at this point in the season. That where, be- where we are right now, that hasn't happened yet. So, just sorry. It like, would be is what it is. It would be easier if it was the case, though, because right, we be like, like there's nothing, there's nothing really for us to point to. You can't say, oh, well, because because I mean, you look at what's going on in Atlanta. It's very obvious that Trey Young and Nate McMillan aren't getting along, and that's you know at the root of a lot of these issues. You look at you know there are some teams where it's like you know like last year in Utah, like clearly Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell didn't get along and didn't like playing with each other, and that's what a lot of the issues were. As in this team, it's like okay. Everybody gets along. There's no issues between guys on the team that I know of, or if they have, if there is, they've been kept pretty well under wraps, and we're in the locker room pretty regularly when they're at home. That's not anything I've heard about. I haven't heard anything about guys being checked out on the coach, or guys not liking the coach, or being that unhappy with their roles. Like, 
I, I haven't heard anything like that. I just... I, and and it, the other thing is, we've seen at the beginning of the season, the first two weeks, you know, they had that... They started off 5-1 and one before they uh, you went on that first road trip. And then they went on that road trip and went 4-2. and two. And, like, so we've seen that this team, this exact roster, this exact group of guys, they're capable of being really good and winning on the road and beating good teams on the road. And then it just but hasn't also happened. Ca- but they're also capable of yes. losing to bad teams. I mean, I mean, actually, you guys, the one thing they haven't really done yet is lose to like a truly bad team. Right. Like I said, they've they've beaten they've beaten Charlotte twice. They've beaten Houston twice. They've beaten San Antonio twice. They've beaten Detroit the one time that they play them. Those are the only four teams in the league that are truly just like bad. out and out bad teams that are like already firmly in the Victor Wembanyama thing. Because like even Oklahoma City, they should have gotten at least one of those two games in Oklahoma City. But Oklahoma City is not on the same level. I mean, as they beat a, we, a couple weeks later. They blew out the Celtics. Celtics, who've been the best strength, team in the league full, so full far. Yeah. Celtics, and they didn't even have SGA. So like. Like this happens in the eighty-two game season. Like I, 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 it's not to it's not to say that like what the Blazers did this past you know six weeks to two months has been good, but like it happens to everybody for the most part uh-huh. in, the, in the league, and especially now where the league is everybody's mid. Like everybody is. <laughs> there's no truly run. Like the Celtics were that for the first six weeks of the season, and have kind of really hit this rough patch as of late where they're just not playing as well. And so it's just not like there isn't that team where you just like, wow, like they're just been so dominant all season long. Haven't had a rough patch. Have, like look at the nets. Like where they just the lost Durant for a month. Right. They just lost Durant, but they were on top of the world for six weeks after, you know, the Kyrie debacle and they were all the way at the bottom. Then they're all the way at the top. And now KD's out for a month. Like Phoenix this, looked like the best team in the West for the beginning of the season. And now, you know, Devin Booker's out for a month and they're right back into being in a tailspin and the same like DeAndre and bad vibe stuff from the off season is kind of starting to come back. And Chris Paul is looking a lot more like a 36 year old Chris Paul than maybe he looked the last couple of years when everybody thought the decline was coming. It's actually coming now. Like the Clippers. Yeah. The Clipper, the Clippers. They look good at times, but they just hey, they can't get guys healthy consistently. Right. It seems like it's going to be like a similar situation to last year, where like, yeah, if they get in the tournament, they are. You don't want to play against them, but we, we are they going to be able to make it? Are are they going to have enough guy? Like, are they going to be able to string enough games together with Kawhi with PG? And, and it does seem like some of their pieces, just you know, the the core group of the PG and Kawhi thing, like it seems like it's not working. And so like, you know, Portland, like as much as they are having struggles, like, and there are frustrations and there are uncertainties about this group moving forward and guys that, you know, are going to be coming up for extensions or maybe have the last year on their contract uh, coming up to the trade deadline. I do think like it's, you're not in the worst place to be right now in the Western conference. And I think a lot of teams in the West are where Portland is, where it's like, they're in a state of flux right now, but I do think Portland has had better stretches of good play than some of the other teams in this predicament right now that I think you could reasonably say that they can correct themselves and they can improve and still make the playoffs. They Um, can do it this month. So like right now I've got the standings up in front of me. We're recording this at right now. It's about four 30. So I think games have started on the East coast right now. So by the time you listen to this, this might be like one day out of date, but as of right now, when I had the standings up in front of me, 
they are in 10th, which is really a three-way tie for the 8, 9, 10 spot in the, in the play-in standings. They are three games back from fourth. You know who's fourth? The Dallas Mavericks, who they play twice in the next week. So, so there you go. You like, win. I don't think they're going to win both of those games, but you win both of those games. Now suddenly you're in a lot better shape. Right. And, and, and so like, and that's the other thing about specifically to the West. I think, you know, the top three teams, it seems like it's pretty locked in, but even there, like. New Orleans, a lost Zion for a month. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say, give them credit because they've been doing it without Brandon Ingram for yeah. this pretty much this entire time. So they will probably figure it out, but they could they haven't really had that bad stretch yet. Neither has Memphis. Neither has I mean Denver kind of Denver started start. off the year kind yeah. of shaky, but then they've 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 kind of had the opposite of the Blazers thing where like the beginning of the season, you were just like, Oh, I don't know if they're gonna be as good as everybody says. And now it's like, no, they're fine. Yeah, they're good. I think Denver is going to be okay, but like, because they already had their kind of struggle. But like, New Orleans and Memphis, they could have. I still trust them to to take care of it. But everyone else, like, what if Luca is out for a little bit? What if he like like what happens to Dallas? Like, Sacramento could have their threes go stop going in for a while, and maybe they don't start. They they go on a cold streak or Sabonis. Sacramento four and six in their last ten. They lost two in a row. Right, I'm mean, I saying, and Sabonis is like playing like a madman, but like he's playing with he, he's playing through a thumb thing right now, though. But I'm saying if he cools off, like these are all things that are like could are not like the craziest, most outlandish scenarios, and it's just like, can Portland get right at home? And and maybe they can, and I think they're capable of it. They've been, they've shown us that they can put together a stretch of winning play on the road. Now they have to do it at home, which you would think they'd be able to do. This is what I wrote on uh over the weekend i think this column went up on saturday for rose garden report subscribers just about how big this next two weeks are because like you said they have an opportunity to kind of get right at home and they're either gonna do it or they're not and that's gonna influence you know we're still i think a little bit of ways out from any kind of talk about what's going to happen at the trade deadline today's january 9th uh the trade deadline is february 9th so it's exactly a month away i still haven't really heard anything as far as chatter and rumors and you know guys that portland's looking at or not looking at like that's still all pretty quiet right now just because i think every team like everything is so tight right now as far as the standings that every team is still talking themselves into, hey, the guys that we have are enough. And so there isn't really, there hasn't really been like buyers and sellers that have emerged. So we're still a little bit too, you know, early for the deadline, but over the next two weeks, that's going to change. And if Portland, you know, if, if these guys go. All free agents can be traded for every free agent. Can yeah. Be traded starting in six days. They, yeah, every, which, every free agent that's signed can be traded. Affects you know, the Blazers in certain ways and not just with the, you know, the Blazers, but also with, uh, I don't know, Phoenix, just, just throwing a team out there hypothetically, the yeah. team that might need like a vibes reset. I'm not reporting anything. I just, I'm just, uh, or like, I mean, Toronto, I mean, they played yesterday. I know Toronto won, but like they just, there was a big thing on ESPN today yeah, about, how, about how Toronto is going to potentially dictate the trade deadline. I think, I think that's overblown by the way. I, I, I also, I could, well, cause I also think like, I mean, you, are we really going to believe that Toronto is going to affect the trade deadline more than the jazz? I don't think Toronto is going to trade OG or Pascal. I think that they are going to try to trade Van Vliet and, and Gary, Gary Trent. Trent. I don't, yeah. 
I think from what I've heard, like they are they are open to talking about Ananobi and Siakam, but what they're asking for for both of them is like what the Jazz got for Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And so I just I would be shocked if anything like that happened in season. I think that that I think that they're the idea that they're gonna blow it up at the deadline and have a fire sale, I think that's a little bit overblown. Utah I think is a little bit more likely that, you know, Mike Conley could be out there. I think I've heard that like Jordan Clarkson is probably not going to be traded, but like Markkinen, uh Jared Vanderbilt, who's a guy that Dame has publicly said he wants to play with. So that, you know, I don't know, but like, but my point, my whole point is I don't want to get too deep into like trade hypotheticals because again, I haven't really heard anything as far as, you know, who they may or might not be looking at, but Joe Cronin has said since media day that he wants to use the first part of the season as like an evaluation of what they have before he decides what to do or not to do at the deadline. And my point is kind of that these next two weeks are going to tell them a lot about like, like let's say they go like, you know, they, they have 10 games this month at home and they're against, you know, good teams. Let's say they go six and four in these in these games against tough teams and it looks like they righted the ship. Maybe then it becomes, hey, you know, this team is good enough. You know, we think, you know, we've righted the ship. We got through this rough patch. Maybe we're good enough that let's, you know, trade a few pieces and try to get DeAndre Ayton or whoever and really try to push into the next level. Or maybe they keep slipping and he decides, you know what, it's not worth it to like go make an all-in move to try to salvage this group. Let's just kind of ride it out. Maybe we'll make the play in and then try to do something bigger next month. I think what happens over the next two weeks is going to dictate that. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. It's they're important games, and and look, if if you if if this team, uh, they got to get together at home. I mean, they're 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 as healthy as they've ever been. Uh, provided gp2 is back uh-huh. uh you know and then you know if you get nasir if you get or if you get just if you get justice back i think justice is probably the more possible one like if you get justice and gp back like you've got you've actually you know, got vets on your bench you got you got you got a seven-man rotation with people who have experience and then you could get into your drew eubanks well i mean eubanks would be the eighth, eighth eighth guy in that rotation so you so then you don't like getting spot minutes to Shaden or Jabari does it is not as crucial to your success. Uh, so I, I think it's possible, but if, it, you know, if they don't put it together, then it's concerned. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're definitely going to have to take that too. If they, if they're not able to put it together at home, uh, regardless of the competition that they're playing, it's like, can they, can they get it together and, and play good basketball for two weeks? Because we haven't seen it for two months. I want to get into a couple of positive things before we go. I, I mean, this is obviously because the team has not been playing very well. This hasn't maybe been the most positive or optimistic podcast that we've done, but I want to get into a couple of positive things. One is, you know, we, we did before the season, you and I went on here and we did our predictions for the season. And it's too early to say whether most of ours are right or wrong. But there's one that I did get right which is that I thought by the end of the season, both rookies were going to work their way into the rotation. We'll talk about Shaden Sharp in a second, but over the last week, the Jabari Walker thing is actually happening, and it's happening kind of the way that we thought it was going to be after Summer League, where you know you saw what he did in Vegas, and you're like, this guy's going to have a 10- or 12-year career as an NBA rotation player. And he's he's gotten into the—it took him a while to get into the rotation, but he's doing it now. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is the reason why—I mean, like— I'm glad Trenton Watford won Summer League MVP, but like Jabari <laughs> Walker was the thing that we were all talking about yes. after Summer League. It was, and and I think 
you know, it's it's kind of funny because him and Trendon like do a lot of the same things. I just think that Jabari is maybe a little bit more has just a little bit more of a nose for scoring and like getting his own shot and finishing, uh, which is something that you know I think Trendon is a great setup player, secondary playmaker, screen setter uh, type of player, which is like you, that's important. I think Jabari does all those things, and he's also has a little bit more of a nose to get his own bucket and like uh which obviously the Blazers offense they have needed some they had can... three bench points yesterday against the Raptors yeah <laughs> as they... a as a bench unit like and I know I know that the starters played a ton of minutes by necessity yesterday but you're not gonna win too many games if you if your entire bench is only giving you three points for a game that's going back to like you know, if we want to get into, like, some remembering some guys' territory, those, uh, like, Dame's rookie year when, like, Nolan Smith and Sasha Pavlovich were, like, the Blazers' two main bench guys. And, yeah. Like, and, like, Ronnie Price. Ronnie Price, Jared Jeffries. Uh, uh, was Kurt Thomas that year, or was he the lockout year? Kurt Thomas was the year, but was the lockout year. Yeah. yeah. Kurt Thomas wasn't there then. Was the Rhino uh, the lock? I think the Rhino was the lockout year, too. The Rhino was also the lockout year, yeah. Uh, no, that was uh, Jared Jeffries, Sasha Pavlovich... Joel Freeland didn't play that year. Claver. Uh Claver also barely played. Um Yeah, that was and Myers Leonard uh was also on the bench of that that Eric team. Maynard was the big uh trade deadline acquisition. Yeah, Eric Maynard. Coming uh, off the torn ACL. Coming off the torn ACL and uh like was not was not in the NBA after that. Like oh. but he was he was a point guard who could bring the ball up the floor and uh, Dame, I remember I wrote a story for Blazers.com about it when I was working for them. Like, intern, yeah. D- Dame, Dame, like, all of a sudden just went ballistic with Eric Maynard because they had another ball handler, which is <laughs> some of the similar, like, similar, ca- like, concept stuff that they do now with, like, that's why Dame comes off the ball so much is because he's just a menace when he's out there off the ball. I just think, you know, some of this has just been bad execution and, 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 and poor shot making and, like, uh, the turnovers do, do need to like, like we've been saying this now, even when they were winning games, if they can take the turnovers from worst in the league to maybe just the bottom 10, like they're 28th in turnover percentage right now. Like they've got to maybe at least get in, get out of the bottom five, but that might just be this. This might just be what they that are. That might just man. be this team's We're problem. almost I mean, halfway into the season. After these next two games, they've got the they've got Orlando tomorrow and Cleveland. That's 41. So we're just about at the halfway point of the season. At a certain point, you kind of are what you are. Yeah, and I think uh, that's something that hurts the offense. And then also that hurts the defensive numbers too. It's like you're not set. Like You're that, giving up what, points in transition, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's like one of those things that it's like, it's like I don't even know if it's like the defensive rating and offensive rating can really like – you know, encapsulate what those turnovers do to you. And then also the mental aspect of just like, you know, constantly giving the team free points, like, right. And having to come back from deficits. I mean, that's, that's been, that was the whole trip is they were down by like 15 a lot. And then having to claw their way back, tie the game or cut it to, to a, within a basket. And then the game gets away from them again. And so, um, yeah, they might not be able to clean up the turnovers, but you know, if, if not, then they've got to get back to making some shots because that's, you know, one of the big, that's one of the pillars of this team. But like, that's never, that's never where you want to be as a basketball team is like, oh, we just got to make shots. Right. That's, that's never a good thing. So, you know, hopefully they can put together some of these defensive stretches that they've improved on over this trip and, you know, with some better offense and, and maybe they can get 
things back on track. The other fun thing that I want to talk about, and this is especially going to be fun for me because I'm going to be there in person. I'm going to be in Salt Lake City. We kind of knew this was going to happen, but Shaden Sharp doing the dunk contest. Oh, we love to see it. It's going to be so. It's going to be so. We don't. They don't. They haven't announced the whole field. Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. has been announced or not announced. Reported. I think it was Jonathan Fagan from the Houston Chronicle that first reported that Kenyon Martin Jr. is going to be there. So we know one of the two. We know what you know. We know two of the people. I don't know who the other ones are going to be. I just said this on Twitter not too long ago, like right before we came on. I wish that the stars would still do the dunk contest because I would love to see John Morant in the dunk contest. Yeah, I think the closest we came to that was when Dame did it last time. But like, Dame, that was like his second. He was year his in second year. It was his first All Star. Yeah, that was, was still. Yeah, it was still. I went. Very much I went good. back and looked. The last guy that you can say at the time he did the dunk contest was like a superstar, like perennial All NBA, like a big name. You know, that level of guy that like John Morant is right now was Dwight Howard in like 2009. Like that's the last time that those, you know, top, top, top shelf superstars, which younger people do not remember, that was Dwight Howard for a long time when he was in Orlando before the second half of his career went the way it did. Dwight used to be that dude back when like those types of big men were still... Yeah, he you know, took the he took he led the Magic to the finals and prevented yeah. the Co- he prevented the Kobe LeBron finals. Yes, but and but you know like LeBron never did the dunk contest. Westbrook never did the dunk contest. Durant never did the dunk contest. I guess Paul George did it when he was in Indy, but that again he was in like his second year in the league or something when he did it. Like I think John Wall did it early on in his career. I guess I guess you could count Blake Griffin, even though he only he did it as a rookie, but he was so like he was immediate, such a, like he was he was he was like one of those rare like he, he was, was like a. Phenomenal, yes. That would be like if Zion had done the dunk contest his rookie year. That's kind of what the equivalent of that is. Like, I understand why Zion wouldn't do it because, like, his health stuff is always just so, you know, precarious. But, like, I do wish Ja would do it. And there are, you know, there are are some guys that, like, you know, some of these, like, I know it's it's harder for, you know, I kind of joke that, like, you could do a whole dunk contest with just Blazers players, and the guy that has actually won the dunk contest, Anthony Simons, might be the fourth best dunker on the team because you've got Sharp, you've got Greg Brown, you've got Keon Johnson. But I, I, so I don't know who the other two guys are going to be. I just, like, well, your preference would be that they're star players. It sucks that Michael Zion... Jordan used to do the dunk contest. In the I know 80s. it sucks. That, it sucks that Zion is hurt. Like I get, I get it for Zion because of just because of health stuff. Like it's probably not a good idea for him to do the dunk contest. But like, there's no reason John Morant shouldn't do the dunk contest. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I like I know that Zion has had his things, but like I don't know, man. Like I, I, I feel like he jumps a lot. Also, LeBron famously very, very never did the dunk contest. That's true. Yeah, that was that that was a that was one. Yeah, he's that's the weird that's a that's a historical anomaly that like people are going to be like, "Why didn't he do the dunk contest?" Like he teased it a couple of times back in the Cleveland like the b- before he was I think I think once he went to Miami like he was at like a different phase in his career, but early on when he was like 23, 24, 25, I remember uh, I think it was my freshman year. I, I vividly remember this, my freshman year of college. So that would have been like the 0809 All-Star game. He was sitting courtside watching the dunk contest. This was one of the Nate Robinson, Dwight Howard ones. And he said something like they were doing like an in in contest interview with him as they as they do like on the TNT broadcast or right. whatever. And they were like, uh, and he said, you know, next year I'm putting my name in. Like he he teased it a few different times that he was gonna do it, and then he just for whatever reason he never did it. I think I I guess the idea is that if you're LeBron, 
There's no upside to doing it because if you lose, you get clowned for it. But if you win, then you don't get credit for it because you were supposed to win the dunk contest because you're LeBron. Well, but yeah, like, yeah. And I think I, the other argument would be too, for probably from their, his perspective, which like, but historically, I think your point is like, that was what made the dunk contest cool. But like they were also doing that because they like the NBA fan interest. Like, was it what it is? Today? Right. Like, and, like every they, single NBA p- player in the eighties didn't have like a million followers on social media or sell a million shoes. But like, but like I do, it does lose some juice when it's because like Dominique Wilkins was like one of the biggest stars in the league when he was doing it. Like Clyde Drexler did it. Like I don't know. Yeah, like, like, like Jordan versus Dominique in the dunk contest in Chicago. Like Dr. Like leg- J doing it in the eighties. Like, yeah, like that. Those are legendary stories. Like when you had the stars going at it, like, like how tight would it have been like in hindsight to have like a D Wade versus LeBron dunk contest? Oh in, yeah. Like, oh yeah. And even like, like if, like if Dwight Howard was in the mix by then, like, yeah, like that would have been tight. So it's like, I understand why they why the young players don't do it now because they they've already made so much money by the time they've even made the league and yeah. they sign a sneaker or whatever. But like, it is, it does make All Star Weekend lose some of its luster when when the best guys don't do it and it's kind of like it basically, for lack of a better term, is a rising stars contest. I got to see the greatest dunk contest of all time. I was in Toronto for the Aaron Gordon Zach Levine one. Oh yeah, and that, that was. was and I mean, I know, like, like, you can say, like, maybe, like, some of the Jordan Dominique ones were, you know, up there, or the Vince Carter one. But, like, being in the building for that one, where neither of them had that many dunks planned, but they just both kept getting 50s. And so, on the fly, they just had to keep coming up with stuff to outdo each other. It was, it, that was, like, I nothing is ever going to top that. I will say, I think, I don't know what Shaden's going to do, but it's gonna be pretty incredible whatever it is yeah i mean he's got i'm, I'm sure every i'm sure he there's some crazy ideas and i mean having an aunt who's won the dunk contest and knows like you know pretty, pretty much the biggest keys you got to finish your dunk i mean like, yeah. like that that's like the, you just like that's the number one thing is you got to make sure that you got a dunk that you finish and i wouldn't be surprised since he is from toronto i wouldn't be surprised if he or not i don't know if he's from toronto he's from he's from the ontario area i wouldn't be surprised if he did like a you know how like guys come out in different like old guys jerseys like like nate robinson came out in a spud web jersey to represent for the short kings and stuff yeah but like oh, yeah, if he definitely. comes out if he if shaden comes out in a vince carter raptors jersey i would not be surprised oh yeah vince Car- or, or like also to you'd be hard if he did like one jersey vince carter one jersey t-mac oh yeah like that that would be tight too because he's got <laughs> he could rep both for Toronto. so like yeah, that 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 no, I think Shaden's gonna put on a show. It's gonna be a fun time for Blazer fans. Uh, the guy I keep hearing is Jericho Sims, is like a guy like on the Knicks. Oh, another, from the Knicks, another yeah, young does, guy yeah. that like people want to see in the dunk contest. I have seen a couple of clips of him. He does have some crazy bounce, and uh, you know, would be a little bit of a bigger type guy to have in the in, uh-huh. in it. Um, but I mean, I think yeah, I mean, Shaden right now is the is the early favorite. I mean, yeah. just because of. The, the stuff that he's just done in regular games and it's so uh, effortless with him the idea of him actually practicing dunks and having like a ramp up to it as opposed to just doing something that happens naturally in a game like i have no idea what he's gonna come up with no yeah it's uh it should be it should be a, a good time and i mean i think i mean dame i think is gonna make the team yeah, for sure i think so. uh just because you know yeah the years and he's having a great great year 
I think it'll be a little bit. I mean, with the way the Blazers are performing, I don't think they're going to get a second All Star. No, I mean, I think they've the the team has been pushing Jeremy and they've been pushing Ant. It's the kind of thing where like. You know, let's. I I think, and I will to... say that the, the the way that they did it too was inspired by that uh, Detroit Pistons photo shoot with Chauncey. And oh the, yeah. So like that was cool. Like I get the campaign. That was cool. The campaign. The oh campaign no, campaign, campaign for great. your guys. Like every like every is team great. is doing. It. I'm sure even like the Charlotte Hornets are like campaigning for their guys to be in yeah. the also like like yeah ride for your guys that's great i think it i mean well let's see how the next couple weeks go if they win a bunch of games over this homestand and they're back up to fourth or fifth then maybe i could see jeremy getting in too but if they stay in the play-in range teams in like the seven eight nine range usually don't get two all-stars and i think dame is a lock just because he is who he is and, the, and he's having a good year and the coaches are going to put him in just based on name value and name recognition and and all of that and he well know, yeah and his place i mean he's he his he's got a higher place in in the league pecking order than 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 the jeremy, jeremy grant yes so like that's just gonna happen which is it sucks but that's just how it's gonna work yeah, whatever i mean the trip is gonna be worth it for me either way just because dame is gonna be there and the other thing about dame being there is he went to school in utah at weber state so he's probably gonna do some sort of community thing so That'll be cool to see. And then Shaden, like, if he's there for the dunk contest, I would imagine he's also going to do Rising Stars. So... Yeah. Yeah. There is going to be a Blazers presence. And that's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to... I've never been to Salt Lake City. So... I'm looking forward to doing that. And... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be... It'll be... It'll be a different kind of All-Star from what what you're used to, I'm sure. (laughs) I mean, because I mean, I I've only been to a couple All Stars, but like you've been to New Orleans and stuff like that. Like I feel like uh, nothing's think... gonna be nothing is gonna be worse than uh you were you were at the New, New York. York yeah oh, yeah that one was the worst not just because it was that cold but also because half of it was at MSG and half of it was at Barclays and so it was like none of it was close to each other and so it was yeah. just really impossible to get to anything. Uh, the Toronto one was uh. Real, like that was really cold and miserable, but like I said earlier, we got to see the uh, you know the greatest dunk contest of all time in person. I went to the Chicago one in 2020, right before COVID, which, like in retrospect, probably shouldn't have done that. That was probably a super <laughs> spreader event, but like none of us even really like knew what COVID. Like I had vaguely heard that like oh this thing is going around in China, but I hadn't really heard that it had hit the U.S. yet. But like in retrospect, yeah, probably a super spreader event, like yeah, a month yeah. a month before everything shut down. Uh, that was also the dunk contest where like Aaron Gordon like didn't win it, and then he like recorded a diss track on Dwayne Wade because like Dwayne Wade was one of the judges in the dunk contest. That's right. Oh my god. <laughs> and then when he got traded to denver he wore 50 because he was like 50 is the score i should have gotten in the dunk contest and that was why he picked that number wow do you remember that i now i'm remembering it uh (laughs) now that you reminded me when aaron gordon thought he was gonna get traded to portland uh when a lot of people thought aaron gordon was gonna be (laughs) traded to portland there was one person who didn't want aaron gordon to be traded to portland even though he very likely could have been traded to portland for the same package that that person traded for Norm Powell. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to bring up old stuff. I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, a, I, it, yeah. I'm glad we're, I'm still glad we're like, of all the problems that the Blazers have. What it's nice we, that it's not those problems anymore. What were we talking about a year ago? We were talking about like, 
picking up the pieces of the organization after the general manager got fired for uh, having a toxic workplace environment. And like, and not even just like, how is the new guy as, as GM going to do it? Who's even going to be the GM? Because Joe got the guy promoted to the interim tag, but he didn't get the interim tag removed until after the season. So it was like, is this guy going to be the GM? Are they going to hire somebody above him as president of basketball operations? If he's not the permanent GM, is he even going to have the authority to make a real trade or do anything or any, or any of that? Like what's, you know, it, it was, it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, like, like th- this, if, if this stuff seems bad now for people who are listening to this, who are Blazer fans, like it's been worse. It could be worse. Uh, which you is know. not what you want to hear. All it's the not time, what you like, want to hear all the time, but like, but like, but like, it also is very true at this point. And like, <laughs> they're just, they're playing crappy. Maybe they will not play crappy moving forward. But like, I, I, we've diagnosed, we 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 we've said what we know and what we don't know, and I think that's I think that's probably the most frustrating thing is that like it's just like that's also part of it with the new team is like I think finding new problems to discover like. The Blazers had the same problems for the last eight years, and now we're everyone's trying to figure out what the new problems are. And that's like part of the new part of having a new team, new coach, new front office. Like, I mean, Dame is the only thing that has stayed the same, and everyone else around it is changing. And so, like, that is also I think part of part of what's happening right now is like everyone's trying to figure out, fans included and players, like what are the new problems of what are the new things that this team can improve on to get better? And what are the things that maybe they, you know, uh, have fixed it, but I, we're not, you know, in the, in the middle of the season, like you're not about, you're not, you don't hold on to those positive wins as much. So it's just like, it's, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see if they turn it around at home. And I think they have a chance to, um, especially if they get, GP two for some of these games. <laughs> like, I'm not we'll, even asking for. We'll see. I'm not I'm, even saying for some of them. I'm, I'm not even saying all of them. Just some of them. They could get some help. And Justice Winslow getting back would be very nice. Uh, also, and if you had two of those dudes who are good defenders, good playmakers, like it could help smooth over some of these issues with the turnovers, and and maybe that can maybe that can get them in a better place in a couple of weeks. It's five o'clock right now, by the way. So. I am waiting literally any second the injury report is going to come out for tomorrow. So we will see at some point whether Gary Payton is listed as probable or questionable or doubtful or what the situation is for tomorrow. Literally any second we're going to get that. But, you know, we'll 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 get to that when we get to that, especially because, like, even if he's listed as probable, then, you know, that's still no guarantee, still no guarantee still, that still no guarantee that he's going to play as as we saw the other day. So, right. uh, yeah, just to, just to, but that's why maybe I emphasize getting justice back. Yes. Which, like if he comes back, like, you know, that, that's just another player that they can count on. That's a veteran. And, you know, it has been good for all their young guys to get experience, but it also as a certain point, like they got to win. You're trying games. to win. That's the whole thing also about like, when everybody talks of, you know, the, the, one of the things that, you know, fans have been talking about is like, oh, Chauncey is so much more willing to play young guys than the previous coach did. And, you know, Chauncey himself, we were talking to him about it, you know, a couple weeks ago after a practice. And he was like, you know, I like playing young guys, but also like when I, when I need, when we need to win, I'm going to, any coach is going to rely on their veterans more. So like, that's just, that, that's how kind of any coach is. And so because of the injury situation that they have, he doesn't have any veterans to come off the bench with. Like your 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 entire starting lineup is veterans, and then your entire 
uh, bench is young guys. So it's like he's just kind of in a tough spot because, like, you don't want to run Dame and Ant and Jeremy and Nurk into the ground. And, you know, I, Chauncey has said time and time again he would like to keep Dame's minutes in the low 30. It's not like a Tibbs thing where he's just all, you know, he wants to just play Dame, you know, 40 minutes a game. But, like... Well, yeah, and Dame is in shape to do that. But, like, sometimes also it's like... I mean, the Golden State game comes to mind uh, right before the new year. Like, they came back from a huge deficit. And then, you know, the way Golden State plays, Steph or not, like, they make you guard and and run and, like, cover a lot of ground. And I felt like the Blazers were tired at the end of that game. Like, they, they lost that game. but it, like and, and it was after they had days off, too, which was the funny, ironic thing is they looked tired after that. But they were playing so many minutes. You know, they're starting fourth quarters with, with the starters. Like, that stuff adds up and, you know, uh, hopefully getting healthier and also being at home can can maybe help them get through that a, a little bit better. And uh, getting more depth w- would help with that. Yeah, I think that's probably as good a place as any to leave it. You know, big, big two week stretch coming up. They're either going to write the ship or they're not. And that's going to tell us a lot about kind of where the team is going to be going forward in the rest of the season Eric, people know what it is. Blazer banter on Twitter. Uh, filling in for well. the AP from time to time. Substack, yes. Uh, thanks again for doing this. I'm sure you'll be back on again before long. Absolutely, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to be covering the next game, but I'm going to be. At, I'm going to be at the Magic game tomorrow. You're going to be there be, as a civilian. I'm going to be there as a civilian. So it's going to be. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll see what they've got to offer uh, tomorrow. Cool. All right. So I'll talk to you soon.